Hey everybody, we are live once again on a Thursday early night, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's Implosion, where we like to talk about the power within, how uh, your favorite content creator or your artist, spoken word poet, and so on, figured out some things in life that may help you be inspired and encouraged to pursue your dreams. Tonight, we have an amazing songwriter, recording artist. His name is Bruce Coughlin. And there's a lot that we're going to share tonight, so we're excited to have him. And before I go any further, I'm just going to let you guys know we are being sponsored by Blast Radio 247 tonight, six-second video. Oh. And we're, my bad. Go ahead, D-Ray. <laughs> <laughs> Too many chiefs in one TP. Got it. So that's Blast Radio 247.com, where you'll hear independent artists, our podcasts, DJ mixes, you name it. There's a lot, and it's available for free. Open up your favorite browser from either mobile or computer, put in Blast Radio 247.com, and there you go. It's all there for you. So let's keep it moving. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Mr. Coughlin. So Bruce Coughlin is an accomplished career songwriter and recording artist residing in British Columbia. With over four decades of professional experience, he is a versatile vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, and composer. His musical expertise spans various roots music genres, such as Celtic, Bluegrass, Americana, Folk, I believe this is pronounced Maritime and Blues. Bruce has an extensive repertoire and his, he has performed at numerous venues worldwide, including theater, folk clubs, and even at the Canada Day performance on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. His regular featured artists at festivals, concert, and communities and corporate events. Bruce has an impressive touring history, having performed in multiple Canadian provinces United States, and the UK. Over the years, he's recorded 14 albums, showcasing his original and adapted traditional music, often focusing on specific Canadian themes. Bruce is not only the captivating performances, but also for his contributions as a producer and songwriter. He continues to explore new musical territories and collaborations with other artists. Notable recent achievements include the release of his solo album, quote, Waiting for Rain, in 2017, and his involvement in the Great Canadian Songbook Tour in celebration of Canada's 150th anniversary. In 2018, he also produced Voices of the Salish Sea with the Wilds. Throughout 2020, Bruce has dedicated his efforts to refining his guitar solo skills, delving into is that dad god guitar tuning and embracing his Celtic roots with programs like Address to Robbie Burns and the Humors of Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Bruce Coughlin. Hi, how's it going? Hey Bruce, how are you? Doing very well, V. I hope I did uh did you good on that that intro. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, awesome. So what we like to do so that everyone gets a, a little idea, who is Bruce Coughlin and tell them a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a career musician. I started performing in my grade six elementary school folk band back in nineteen seventy one. Okay. And uh so that's been uh, a little oh no, sorry, yeah, yeah. So that's coming up. That's over 50 years I've been playing music mm. and connecting with people through, uh, through song. Mm. And it's, uh, it's quite an interesting journey. Do you have um, musical roots through your family? Uh, no. My dad used to say he couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. And he, he, he was probably right. And uh, my last recollection of my grandmother, she remembers me being... Uh, a young boy of maybe five or six years old running around the house screaming at the top of her 
of my lungs. Mm -hmm. She came to see me in a concert just before she passed, mm -hmm. and she started crying that her little bullfrog could finally sing. <laughs> that is awesome. So let me ask you, Bruce, what inspired you to pursue uh, music as a career, and how has that motivation evolved over time? Wow. Well, the defining moment, I was six years old. Mm -hmm. My dad took me to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre in Vancouver, where... Uh, we saw the Irish Celtic group, the Clancy Brothers and Tommy Macon. And they bounded onto stage and started belting out some old Irish rebel tune. And from five rows back, I knew in a heartbeat, that's how I wanted to spend my life. Wow. That, that communicating with people and telling them stories and, and, and you know, being able to pour yourself out on a, on a stage for, for people is really quite an, an amazing an amazing thing and I knew without any hesitation from the age of six wow. how I was going to spend my life. Mm. So could you share a specific personal experience or a moment that sig signifies shaping your approach to songwriting? Hmm. Well, I think I think traditional music really helps uh, help shape my uh, values, so to speak. Uh, songs haven't stuck around for two and three hundred years because people couldn't relate to them. There are certain things about music. If you want to communicate uh, with other people, you have to you have to approach their humanity. And, and language with music is an interesting way to achieve that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like all kinds of music. And I think my approach, uh, I tend to be somewhat of a chameleon. There's a, a, a producer I worked with on a number of projects, Joby Baker, and he has a sign outside his studio says, don't change the music. Let the music change you. Mm. And I've taken that to heart. And I become a different person depending on where I'm uh, immersed. If, I, if I'm uh, like I'm looking forward to this, this uh, Rise Up tour of the South, I haven't been back in a decade. But when you, when you get down there and you start playing with the contrasts of the music, uh, I, I tend to slide into those nuances so I can hear, oh, okay, so this, this is mountain music, I can do that. Mm. And I, I can hear those nuances and I can immerse myself into it and play with those musicians to the point where it becomes second nature to me that I've found my own voice mm. in a different style of music. Nice. Uh, shout out to Miss Carla Simpson. She said relatability is the key. Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. That, and that's, that's a great point. Um, you don't have to be fancy with words. Five chords and the, and the truth. Uh, is what Har Harlan Howard used to say, right? Mm -hmm. uh, famous Nashville. I've looked at songwriting from all kinds of different angles. I've, I've sat on uh, Music Row in Nashville, sweating it out across the table from many different writers. And uh, I've also found uh, inspiration in some very strange places. <laughs> and I understand that as well. Before I get too deep, Bruce, so I want to make sure I take the opportunity for you to share your portion of what Rise Up TV means for you and what you look forward to, you know, delivering during those uh, tours. Well, for me, it's a, it is a return from the South. Ten years ago, my band was being managed out of, uh, out of Nashville. We were touring the South. Again, I was immersing uh, with some of the greatest uh, Americana music roots artists in the world and recording and writing and doing some amazing things. It was at that time that the industry went from, um, from being driven by sales. Mm. Uh, that's when all of a sudden the streaming aspect came in and the mm. entire model that we built, I built an, a, an industry on had basically crumbled and collapsed. Wow. What is considered a blessing to some could have been a downfall or a curse to others. Yeah, so uh, this this is a return to a, uh, to re meet 
a lot of the old friends that I that I knew back then. We got some amazing artists on this tour. Uh, it was the, the tour was somewhat uh, handpicked by my uh, fiddle player and longtime friend Nolan Murray. Okay, uh, he's well well known uh, th throughout uh, that community mm -hmm. and in in a number of different areas, bluegrass and Americana, you know, old time music. He's just a, a virtuoso uh, fiddle mandolinist. And I've worked with him for 25 years. So uh, he thought, well, let's, if we're going to do this thing, let's do it right. And he lined up some really incredible guests. So I'll be uh, more than happy to, to be shaking hands and, and there'll be lots of hugs flying, flying around and hopefully restart, rekindle that magic that uh, I unfortunately had to leave behind a decade ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, how do you navigate the challenges of balancing your personal life and the demands of a music career, particularly in continuously involving industry? How, how do you balance those two? Well, it's easier now that my, uh, my family has grown. Uh, it, 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 it was a trade off earlier on when the, when the kids are growing up, you have to, and I often relied on other people to do, uh, to do certain jobs book the gigs, do, do all this, these uh, other things. And the industry changes and you have to keep up, you have to adapt. So I'm in that process of, of re-emerging mm -hmm. uh, as yet another version of me after, after doing this for 50 years. I understand that. Uh, let's see here. What specific aspects of your life do you uh, tend to see into your music the most, whether it's intentionality or unintentionally? Um, again, uh, I think as your uh, person piped in, relatability is, is, is certainly uh, something you want. You want people to, to hear your song and to greet it with a knowing that uh, they understand it, mm -hmm. that, that uh, they somehow connect uh, and you know, connect to themselves and to each other through through music. That's what I would hope that the essence of what I do, whether it's at a live performance where you're gathering a community together. These this is this is a a uh, lightning in a jar. Half these people won't have ever met each other before, and here they are sharing this this moment, this community. That's magic. Yes, that's that's part of what, what I, I've been able to do with or, or see from my music. And the other is people coming up to me after 10, 15 music years and saying, you know, that song, that song really changed my life. That really that song really connected with me at a time when I needed it. Mm. And when somebody says that nothing, nothing is more rewarding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been probably a, a couple handfuls of times where people have said, yeah, but you, you, your words, your wow. words connected with me. Yeah, I, I already feel the the blessing in that. And I know another huge compliment is when the audience or the fans are singing your music for you. <laughs> yeah, that is like the biggest compliment. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Well, sometimes I, I do the old sing-along thing. I teach in the chorus ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the old folk uh, folk music school. You know, you've got to teach them to sing Kumbaya. And, but correct. once you do, you got it forever. Correct. This is, this is <laughs> correct. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to play one of your songs, Bruce. Um, I've really taken to this song. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this song is called Waiting for Rain. And this is Mr. Bruce Coughlin. Go ahead, Seems like it crashed. Let me try it again. Hold on a sec. Look like we got a faulty video. Hold on a sec. Um, okay. We'll, we'll revisit that and look into that. But um, 
Bruce, tell us about the song Waiting for Rain. What uh, what was the basis of that song? Well, the song itself is, uh, well, of course, everybody uh, these days is worried about climate changing and global warming and all that. So that was the the initial concept behind that mm -hmm. is there's people who are who are waiting and praying because their lives and their livelihoods depend on are you there oh hold on a sec i think you might get muted hold on a sec i think your headphones may have died on you huh uh hit the uh mute button do you see the mute button there you go. You hear right. me now? Hear you now. Guess your headphones died on you. No, no I can't hear you. You can't hear us. <laughs> can't oh, dear. Can't hear. I think the wheels just fell off this thing. Not a problem. Um, what I want you to do is jump out of the room and jump back in, and it's your fix. Oh, I'm sorry, Beep. I'm not hearing you at all. Okay. Hold on a sec. Uh... Let me just try. Hold on, everybody. We apologize. Uh, I can't hear you because the mute is on, but can you hear me? You can How hear about me now? now? I can hear you. Can you hear there me? There we go. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're back. <sighs> Sorry about that. Things, things happen all yeah. the time. All right. So, as you were saying in regards to... Um, to waiting for rain. Uh, basically, in this case, rain is a euphemism for all things nurturing. Okay. It's, uh, I like to say that gospel music is my guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. Because I'm an atheist. But I still, <laughs> I still love gospel music. I love the sound of it. I love that people can, can pour their hearts into it and with such... You know, rallying effect. So uh, that was part of the idea here. But rain in this in this case is referring to those things nurturing both personally in our lives and in society. Okay. Well, you caught me on that one. I wasn't ready. <laughs> so let me ask you, Bruce. During the time of the pandemic, which was around the uh, 2019, 2020, um, has that like what what ideas or what creative things did you do then especially when a lot of things weren't available for everyone yeah well it, I, I was lucky i was able to transition back into a uh, a side job so to speak mm -hmm. uh, some 25 years ago i had worked in the film industry of course vancouver is also known as hollywood north okay so uh i was lucky enough throughout the covid Thing to fall back into film and I got to work uh, you know, you'll see me walking through the back uh, back scenes of half the half the, sh the television shows you see this season hmm. okay all right so D-Ray let's go ahead and try that again um, we re-uploaded Waiting for Rain and this is Bruce Coughlin fingers crossed <laughs> won't grow and I'm waiting, waiting for rain. Tired eyes over empty skies, trying to keep my hopes alive and I'm waiting, waiting for rain.
trees won't grow. I can't read, I can't sew, and I'm waiting, waiting for rain. No shelter from the blistering sun. No place that I can run. I'm waiting, waiting for rain. Must be a month of Sunday since I've seen the clouds roll by. Gotta believe it's something, but the well running dry. I can't sleep all waiting for the rain. Since I've seen a cloud roll by, gotta believe it's something. But the well is running dry. I can't sleep at all, waiting for the rain fall. Waiting for the rain fall. Yes, I'm waiting for the rain. Yes, indeed. That is a great song, Bruce. I love that song. Oh, thank you so much. So uh, give a shout out to the uh, producers and whatnot to help make that song a reality. Well, Joby Baker is the uh, is the, the per percussionist, drummer, and producer. Uh, he lives in Victoria, British Columbia, an amazing worldwide uh, talent. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. He was as I said earlier, don't change the music, let the music change you. And that, that was uh, his advice and uh, stuff, you know, words you can live by. That is, that is an amazing song. Um, all right, uh, let me see here. We're doing great on time. Okay. Uh, what role does introspection play in the songwriting process? And how do you manage to keep your emotional mm -hmm. vulnerability intact while sharing your stories to the world? That's a good question. And I'm finding it more and more difficult. <laughs> uh, it used to be, uh, there's one song I have, it used to be uh, a single word could move me to laughter and now a single word can drive me to tears. Mm. And, and that's amazing how, uh, how you touch on that because in my earlier years, I, I could, I, I was, bulletproof on stage i can sing whatever now nowadays once in a while a, a certain line a song i may have sung for years could have been a song i've written myself and all of a sudden the line will take me somewhere now big not a great time to get a big lump in your throat <laughs> but i find it happens more now mm. than, it, than it ever did before i got you 
So we have a question here <clears throat> from Solrez. Who were some of your musical influences growing up? Well, this album was kind of influenced by a lot of the soul music that I was hearing coming across the radio in the late uh, late six, late sixties, early seventies. Mm -hmm. So you know, Marvin Gaye, the Staple Singers, uh, you know, even right back into uh, oh, uh, what's his name, uh, Reed Petit. Uh, oh, there's there's so many R and B. Uh, again, a huge influence in soul music from the from the sixties and and seventies. Really played a big a big part in, in how I feel about music and how I like to express myself. Yeah, that um, "Waiting for the Rain" to me had a very soulful, bluesy sound to it. Uh, soul Red says he hears some Neville Brothers. Oh, absolutely! That's all in the mix. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, in your opinion, what is the most challenging aspect from being a multi-genre artist? And how do you ensure your versatility is appreciated and understood by your audiences? Well, on a different day, I might give you a different answer. Today has been a challenging day for me. Um, this... Uh, I, I do a lot. I, I do a lot of genre hopping. <laughs> I, uh, I I like to think that I'm, you know, that that it comes across as sincere. When you hear me singing a bluegrass song, it's coming from the heart. It's it's not it's not a facade that I put on. It's it's me finding my voice in in that style of music. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people don't get that. They, uh, for instance, in Canada. I'm not regarded as a Celtic artist hmm. because I'm not from a Celtic culture. I'm not from Cape Breton. I'm not from Nova Scotia or, or Newfoundland. I don't live in Scotland or Ireland. So therefore I am not authentic, mm -hmm. but I've been playing this stuff for 55 years. Yeah. <laughs> when you spend over half a century uh, embracing a, a, a style of music, that that's the biggest trouble I have. Is it's folks going, yeah, that's really him, I, and that's that's what I love to do. Yeah. That that is tough. That is tough. Um, so how do you approach collaborations with other musicians, and what do you believe are the key ingredients for a successful musical partnership? Well, having tried simply from a technical uh, exercise, you know, on Music Row, you sit down and you go, okay, well, I want to write a song that sounds just like the hit rate, the song that was on the radio last month. I can I can go through, walk through that process, okay, and I've never really been happy with the results. Mm. Um, the musicians whom I identify with or, or, you know, I respect to the point where we just sit down and it's just that it's just fun over a cup of coffee and oh i had this little idea oh cool well that's hey what if i did this well what were you thinking of writing about well that wasn't until right now and i just thought of this you know those sort of uh even even when they're planned uh as i mentioned uh, as a, a co-writer uh out your neck of the woods named uh, josh daniel out of charlotte and uh you know, we met a couple times on the road, and you know, he drove over to uh, the Raleigh just for the purpose of, of writing a song. And we just sat down and we write, wrote one. He was knocking on the door the next day. Wow! He drove that distance. That he was that uh, height on, <laughs> on just interacting on that creative level. You cannot help. You know, when you find uh, people like that, hold on to them tight because they're they're few and far between. Wow. That's amazing. So what we do at this moment in the half of the show, um, Blast Music 247 was created to help independent artists all around the world get exposure, but most of all, to help them be heard. So we have an artist that is from Sweden, who her name is Elsa Aborg, and this is called the Nico song. Go ahead and play that, D-Ray.
And that was Elsa Aborg with Nico's song. Sweet. Not bad, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and if you are an independent artist or a spoken word poet or even an up-and-coming comedian looking for some exposure, you can go to BlastMusic247.com and you can register for free. But Blast needs the fans. So you fans out there that love great music like that one from Elsa, you can go to BlastMusic247.com and register as a fan for free and have access to hundreds and hundreds of amazing independent music. Blast, changing the industry one artist at a time. All righty, so back to you, Mr. Roos. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. Can you recall a particular song or piece that you feel represents a turning point in your musical history, and what's the story behind it? Hmm. Well, I think my first recording, <laughs> well, it sort of set, set the mood for my career. Uh, in 1980s uh, in Canada, there was a surge of uh, Canadian content. They were they, they they put sanctions on radio stations that had to play so much Canadian. I think it was 15 or 20 percent Canadian content in order to, to to boost that. And a lot of the radio stations would have uh, songwriting contests or battle of the bands. Uh, in 1979. In Vancouver, I wrote. I won all the major uh, contests, so I was signed to uh, Warner. Mm. They did a, a forty thousand dollar music video. Wow! <laughs> and this is for a, a single, right? Remember right. a single? Mm-hmm. With a, one song on one side, one song on the other. Yes, sir. <laughs> when they were about to release it, the world went to cassette. Wow! With a base price of six dollars, no one was going to spend six dollars buying a song on each side of a cassette. Mm-hmm. So our, uh, our contract was dropped. Dang. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, a similar thing happened when uh, when we went from CDs to streaming. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you work with a model for almost 40 years that has you invest tens of thousands of dollars into a product, you press that product and then you hit the road and you spend a couple of three years making your money back so you can repeat the process forever cycling back with new material and that was the process back then and it got so that every two years you could do that you mm-hmm. drop you know 20 30 grand into a into a project and come up with something new and exciting to to tour around and it just doesn't work that way anymore mm-hmm. wow that's crazy. You 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 would definitely say in the music industry you have to learn to adapt. And, oh, and- adaptability. Because uh, yeah, I've been asked this probably every interview. Any any uh, anything you'd like to pass on to up and coming artists? And I'd say that music it's the uh, our toughest way to make an easy living. Mm. There are a lot of rewards to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, but it's it certainly has proven, at least in my case, uh, one of very many peaks and valleys. Mm. Gotcha. <laughs> um, let's see here. In your opinion, what is the most? Oh, I already read that one. Forgive me. How do you approach collaborations? I read that one. Wow, yep. we're going through these pretty fast, my friend. Uh, can you describe a particularly memorable interaction with a fan? that left a lasting impact on your perspective of your own work and its effect on others? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. It, it, it's tough. For me, I think it's more um, not the impression that, that artists give me as they're uh, presenting themselves. It's who they are backstage. It's who they are when you're warming up your fingers or, or after the show's over. So it's mm-hmm. ones who, who pick up the guitar just because they still feel the urge. They mm-hmm. still feel the desire. And those are my, uh, those are my tribe. I, I, I find those, uh, those sessions some of the most rewarding. That it's not when we're being paid for. We, but it got us here, got us to this place that at the end of the day, we can sit around musically and enjoy each other's company. Mm. That's the gold. I can believe that. 
Um, okay, how do you find the balance between commercial appeal and artistic integrity in your music? And how do you stay true to your vision while catering to the audience preferences? Well, I've never catered to the audience. Well. <laughs> I've completely, uh, I've catered to my, my own whims. And uh, as I said, the uh, it, it seems a cycle uh, that I'll discover a music or t musics that, that intrigue me and I'll listen. And the more I get intrigued, the more I'll, I'll search out those people who, who play that style of music and I'll interact with them until, as I said, with any luck, if I like it enough and I get deep enough, I can find my own voice within it. Mm. I respect that. What is your most cherished memory from a live performance and what made that experience particularly special or unforgettable for you? Wow. There's been many, many, many moments along the, along the road. I, I don't think I could, I could pick out one. It was just being the, the ultimate because for many different reasons, mm -hmm. I remember stepping off stage. We were touring in Scotland and we stepped off stage in a festival and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi was waiting at the end of, edge of the stage. Now that's cool. <laughs> you and McGregor. Yeah. And he, he snapped a picture with myself and the band. And uh, when I sent that picture back to my 14-year-old son. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I went from being, oh yeah, my dad's a folk singer. <laughs> hands with Obi Kenobi. <laughs> so his young, his young fourteen-year-old uh, uh, heart was really impressed. That is funny. Oh my goodness! So Sorez has a question for you. Okay. Who is a who is a musician, dead or alive, you would love to jam with? Oh my gosh! Who would I love to jam with? I don't know. Just off the top of my head, Johnny Cash. Hmm. And why Johnny Cash? Because of his sincerity and the fact that, uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, basically that's it, right? At the at the end of the day, for me, it's it's the soul pouring out of of that instrument or that voice mm -hmm. that uh, that either reaches me or it doesn't. I I, I feel lost today. A uh, commercial radio is not. Well, I wrote a song called Old Hank. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a story about Old Hank is rolling over in his grave. Because he wrote so many fine music, fine songs, and was uh, hailed the king of country music. And these days, the commercial aspect of, of country music is, has turned that into an abomination. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's every song is the same title. Okay, pick Friday night, going to pick up. Daisy Duke in my pickup truck. We're going to go riding back roads, sipping gin and juice until we make out on, in the moonlight under an apple tree. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> There's the checklist right there. You have those eight items in your song. You're a contender for a top 40 country music hit. Wow. Wow. Hey. And, and, then, and then you see music singles that are, are produced on iPhones. People, oh, well, they get a loop going here. Oh, that's a neat little loop. And I think we'll do a progression. If I press the, the these buttons here, it'll make up the chords. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you listen to, to the stuff that, that you heard me record, every note is being played by a musician. Mm. And there's no, there's no keyboard bass. That's a bass player playing the bass. That's a drummer playing the drums. That's a mm -hmm. keyboard player. And, and they're probably not playing synthesizers either. They're they're playing the good old uh, Wurlitzer pianos or the or the uh, or Hammond organs that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I strive to to create music that is, uh, yeah, that, that's real, authentic. It's, it's real. It's absolutely authentic. Yes, sir. And I think to to me, at the end of the day, if I can say I've, I've spent a life doing that. It'll have been a, a, a life well lived. I respect that. So we're going to go ahead and play another song of Bruce. 
And uh, this one is called Step Into My Kitchen. <laughs> this is the song. This is the uh, a coast, right? That uh, with Josh Daniel. And I'll tell you how this one, this came about. Sure, go ahead. He showed up. Uh, we sat down in the hotel room in, in Raleigh, Durham, and he said, "Bruce, what kind of song would you like to write?" And I said, "Well, I don't get to the Carolinas very often, Josh. I'd like to write a musical souvenir." something I can carry with me everywhere I go and share with people all over the world. That is a, a, a remembrance, a, a souvenir of North Carolina. He said, well, in that case, we'll have to go out for barbecue, <laughs> which we did. We went out for, for barbecue uh, and uh, found a place with windows so greasy you couldn't see through them. <laughs> and that's where we had some barbecue and the gal who served us uh, had quite a bit of character. She was a she was a great a woman of stature. She was tall. She was fairly broad in the beam, but she took a liking to me. She started uh, having some fun at my expense, tugging at my ears, and frothing up my hair as she walked by. And uh, so I thought, I get, I'll get even with you. We went back to uh, the hotel and we wrote this song about going out for barbecue in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. All righty. Again, this is Step Into My Kitchen with Bruce Coughlin. Go ahead, D-Ray. <laughs> and of course, no audio? Good grief. Ooh, okay. <laughs> it is the day for audio issues. Okay. All right. I'll take care of that. Wow. How uh, Do you travel often to North Carolina? Is that like one of your spots? It, I'll be I'll be coming back in in November. It'll have been a, it'll be a, a decade since I was last there. Oh, and the Rise Up tour is going to be pulling into. Uh, oh gosh, where the heck are we? <laughs> uh, I don't have the list in front of me. Mm -hmm. I know you guys are. I I don't have all of it in front of me myself either. But I know you guys are oh. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Of course. Everything's going wacky on me here, too. <laughs> it was just today in technology, just didn't want to cooperate. Yeah, that's for sure. <clears throat> well, let me ask you this while you're looking that up. Uh, Blast Radio is asking, do you think technology has hurt music more than it helped? Yeah, I think to a certain extent that technology has created all these little satellites all these little humans that are tucked away in their own little uh their private little worlds and it's gotten to the point the point where i can't even solicit eye contact in my own hometown that people hurts. will not you know it half the time they're looking down at their phones and the other half of the time they're just not comfortable mm -hmm. they, they have lost in, through technology, I believe, we have lost a sense of community, a, a sense of namaste, just that uh, that glance that says, I, my spirit sees the spirit in you. It only takes a second, and it's, it, it reflects who we are as humans, and we're losing that. We're losing that in the grips of a technology that's being, uh, with media that's being uh, driven, purpose-driven in a lot of cases, and not in our best interest. Mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Okay, D-Ray, we'll try this again and see if uh, Step Into My Kitchen with Bruce Coughlin. Let's see if it works. <laughs> this song was inspired by a trip to Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, and a little barbecue place called Hog Heaven. Windows so greasy you couldn't see through, and they tell me, that's how you pick good barbecue in the South. Now we've been through the South traveling and from one place to the next, barbecue takes on a different flavor. By the time you get to the Carolinas, however, they take on kind of a spicy flavor and uh, tangy. But uh, spicy was also what we encountered as far as the hospitality. That's what inspired this little song. Thank you. 
That was a great song, Bruce. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. I hope you could taste that barbecue. Shoot, you started naming them food off. I'm over here like, dang, I really am hungry. <laughs> that is Except for Brunswick stew. I'm not sure I feel, I feel uh, an inkling. <laughs> you know what that is? I, not at all, sir. What is that? It's made with squirrel. Nope, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never heard of that. Is that a, a South thing? I, I believe it is. I believe uh, in, in certain places in the South, the squirrels grow pretty big. <laughs> so uh, Blast Radio asks, speaking of North Carolina, have you ever performed at the Merle Fest in North Carolina? Oh, I would love to. Oh, my gosh. Would that be? That's on my uh, bucket list. So if any, anybody knows anybody there, I've dropped my, dropped my name in the bucket. Uh, the closest will be coming at this point. Uh, we're going to be at Danbury, <clears throat> North North Carolina, on November 10th at the Arts, Stoke, uh, the Arts Place of Stokes. Okay. Okay, and then on the 11th, we'll be finishing off the tour, tour uh, Rise Up Tour, at the Free Range Brewing at, at Charlotte, North Carolina. Do you happen to have ticket information where people could get tickets? Yeah, you can go to Rise Up TV on, on Facebook, and they'll have all the information there, all the links of uh, where you can go to get tickets. Awesome. So you heard Starting it from the 7th at 3rd and Lindsay, Lindsley in Nashville, we do Chattanooga on the 8th, Duluth on the 9th, Danbury on the 10th, and Charlotte on the 11th. Wow. Man. Okay. So... I have a couple more questions and then we'll, we'll get you out of here. Um, no <laughs> all right. Can you describe a moment in your career where you felt particularly vulnerable and how did you use that vulnerability to fuel your artistic expression and growth? Well, 
I kind of had a morning like that today. Ooh. I uh, I looked at some of the, the the things this this year. As I said, coming back from uh, uh, ten years ago, uh, I, I just took every every gig I could get. I found myself working concerts in care, uh, doing music therapy with people in, in diminished uh, situations, uh, playing for people in in crisis, playing for people in hospice, places where music had a lot of value uh, beyond its monetary uh, sort of thing. Yes. So, um, gosh, I forgot what was the question. <laughs> More a defining less. moment. Well. Uh, this year, I was planning on, on falling back on the movie industry, which, of course, has been shut down for the last six months. Yes. So not having to pl having planned for this, uh, uh, things tend to get a little tight. And uh, the all the work that I have put in for the last year has not begun to bear fruit. Whoa. So I just have to, you know, going on, running on faith. We've got a lot of great musicians that I work with and a lot of great people I'm partnering with. So. I actually believe you guys are going to do great for this tour. So you definitely have our support on that. I think. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I hope it, it reopens a lot of doors that uh, I reluctantly let uh, slip uh, falling behind me. Well, that's one of the beautiful things about music. It definitely brings people together and we need more of that more than ever, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And last, before we head out, looking back on your journey, what advice would you give your younger self knowing what you do now about the challenges and triumphs in your career in music? Well, I'd have probably paid more attention to my schooling. I left school a couple months into grade eight, and I never did learn. They, they, weren't very, they didn't think that I, I would have the stuff it took to become a musician. Told me I had no musical aptitude, so I quit school. Hmm. Uh, but I would tell my my younger self, get a few business chops. Mm -hmm. What I have, what I have had to learn, I've learned uh, by myself, and I have learned how to learn. If there's something I want to know, I can go out and find it. Right. Um, but that's that's what I would tell myself: is oh. uh, get get some uh, business acumen. Oh. Okay. You're going to need them. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All righty. Well, in in a nutshell, this was pretty much what we wanted to, you know, dig in with, with Bruce. And thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I apologize for all the little technical glitches, but we fought. Hey, we, I, I love the way you, you, you pulled through them. And that's all any of us can ever do, right? So I, I quite enjoyed our visit. I found your, uh, your, your questions. Uh, stirring you know as far as you know okay yeah that's okay <laughs> you know, not, who's your favorite beetle <clears throat> <laughs> yeah we, we ask the hard questions around here <laughs> well there you go thank you Vito. appreciate it very much anytime and before we go um we want to also let you know that broken treasures the cd which will have various artists ranging from George Clinton to Big Mountain, The Outsiders, and more. And this is to uh, bring forth monies for the education for prevention and rescuing of kids being trafficked. So this CD will be released soon. We do not have an actual uh, launch date yet, but as soon as it is, you'll hear it directly from me. All right, Bruce. Um, so we know the Rise Up Tour. Do you have anything scheduled after that? Uh, no, just uh, tucking in for the Christmas season and, you know, close to home. Understood. Understood. Well, I wish you and all the guys at um, Rise Up TV Tour do a wonderful job. I hope that everything is smooth and successful. And we'll be looking forward to hear the positive results of all that. Looking forward to talking to you again. Fair enough. Well, everybody, we thank you for your time. Um, this has been Implosion. See us again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Pacific. And we love you. Have a good night. Be safe.